Good morning. Welcome back after a Christmas celebration. I hope you had an awesome Christmas. My name is Paul McVitie. I'm the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one. And trust me when I say you're going to need one. We're going to plow through a whole mess of scripture this morning. So if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, just go ahead and put your hand up and our ushers will get you a Bible that you can use and you are going to need it. So grab one if you need one. And if you are receiving one of those Bibles that, uh, that they're handing out and you don't have a Bible of your own, please do just keep the one that you received this morning uh, as our gift to you and as God's gift to you. It's his word. It's his story. So I'm absolutely celebrating the things that happened this Christmas season here at Chapel Hill Church. Um, it really was uh, an amazing season. Still is. Uh, as Scott said, we're not done. Um, but uh, it has been just great. Um, we focused on... That message of the light coming into the darkness, that the people living in darkness saw a great light, and that great light's name was Jesus Christ. And he came into the darkness in so many different ways to bring light and hope into this dark world. And so we celebrated that. We talked about that. We got into that more than ever. Um, Christmas Eve, uh, we had just a wonderful time here together. It really was an enjoyable service. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, I had a lot of fun really living some childhood memories there and uh, it was great um, to to the praise of our father and by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we saw uh, four more people make decisions for Christ that evening and um, that is a wonderful thing so eight uh, at least eight for the Christmas season and that's just one of the things that we celebrate it, the whole season was just a reminder of how hopeful the message of the gospel is and how beautiful it is that Christ came and brought light into this world. And so Jesus came. He came as a baby, was born in a manger in a stable. And we looked at all of that. And now we kind of go into this. Okay, so what? There's so much more. Then what? Then what happened? He did so much by coming. He rescued us. He called us. He died for us. And we're going to remember that later as we share communion together. He reunited us with our Father. And by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, we have been cleansed and can stand before our Father clean and holy. What else? So much else that Jesus did. And one of the things that he did is he lived a holy life. He lived a model life for us. And we benefit by seeing this model lived out for us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to build a bit of a bridge between Christmas and between our study of the book of First Peter. Kind of bridge through that and, and tie them together. Um, I want to read a little bit from First Peter chapter 1. I want to read verses 14 through 16 in First Peter chapter 1 to kind of get us back into that. And then we're going to leave First Peter alone and go somewhere else. So just listen to this. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 to 16. This is what Peter writes. He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. 
Be holy in all your conduct, Peter writes. And he's quoting from way back in the Old Testament. This is what we're to do. And when we look at Jesus, when we look at his life, we see that he was holy in all his conduct. No question. And he called us, he calls us today to be holy as well. But he didn't call us to that with his words so much. In fact, I went looking um, throughout the life of Christ. I went breezing through the scriptures to see if I could find a place where Jesus said, Be holy. And I couldn't find one. We see it in other places. We see it in First Peter. We see it in a lot of places. But Jesus didn't actually say it. He communicated that in a very different way. He communicated that with everything that he was and everything that he did. He communicated that with his life. His words would have just been instruction, and he gave lots of instruction to us, but he did so much more than instruct us. He called us with his life. He called us with a holy life. He called us with a model life. He said, follow me, and we're to follow him. Not just to listen to his words, not just to read his words, but to follow the example that Jesus set for us. To follow the model that he put out there for us. And so we want to talk about, again, what it means to be holy. And we've looked at this before. We looked at the definition of holy. We talked about the fact that it means blameless, consecrated, purified, set apart. These are all elements of the meaning of the word holy. Holy includes being and doing. We've been set apart for a position and a purpose. And you've heard me use those terms before. Our position in Christ and our purpose in life. In the introduction to 1 Peter, uh, which we went through very in great detail, reminds us of our position. Peter talked about us being chosen and foreknown by God, sanctified, being born again, being guarded for an inheritance, being saved, being ransomed by Christ. He laid all that out in the introduction to First Peter. And we know that. We talked about that foundation that we have. And then Peter makes this call for us to be holy. And so we have the position. And now he wants to talk about our purpose. And he's going to talk about our purpose for a long time in the book of First Peter. We're going to look at what it means to live holy lives. Because that purpose revolves around us living holy lives. And so Peter's going to address that a lot. Holy means blameless. It means consecrated. It means purified. And that amazing reality is ours because of Jesus Christ. He's the one that did that for us. We didn't make ourselves that way. He gave us that through his blood. We didn't achieve that for ourselves. That's the position that Jesus purchased for us. But the set-apart aspect of holiness is ours to live out. It has to do with our whole life. And that's what we're going to talk about. We are to live lives like the one Jesus lived. We're to live holy lives. Now, Jesus, as we know, led a sinful, a sinless life. Got to be careful there. Wow. <laughs> struck down early on in the message. We're going straight to communion. We need it. Jesus led a sinless life. He was holy in a way that has been impossible for us to replicate. He didn't sin once. He made no mistakes. None of us has achieved that. We're to shoot for it. 
But already we've fallen short of that, haven't we? We haven't replicated that. So as we look further, we see other things about Jesus. What else can we see in his life that models holiness for us? Sinless, yes, but there's so much more to the model of holiness that Jesus gave us. And today we're going to reflect on a life that was modeled for us as this baby in the manger grew up to fully embrace his purpose during his time with us. From the Christmas story to the writings of Peter that were obviously influenced very, very heavily by Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. Um, Turn to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. This is where we're going to spend our time today. We're going to spend it in the book of Matthew. And we're going to do something different today because as we've been studying the book of 1 Peter, we've gone very deep. We've gone very deep into each individual verse, into each word. We've looked at the depth that's there. And there is a need for us to go deep into that and learn and grow and get close to God's word. There is also a need from time to time for us to go wide. And we're going to go wide today. We're not going to go deep into the passages that we look at. We're going to go wide. We're going to get a broad look. We're going to get a bird's eye view of the life of Jesus Christ. We're going to fly through the book of Matthew. We're going to stop at a number of places. But we're going to look at this model that Jesus gave us with his life. And I want to touch on a whole bunch of things this morning that demonstrate this life that he lived for us. This is holiness. This is the life that Jesus lived. This is the model life that we are to imitate, that we are to follow, that we are to live ourselves as we live holy lives. So you know where Matthew starts. It starts at the beginning with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and then it goes into the story of the birth, the arrival of Jesus Christ. We've just covered that. We've spent the last month on that. We've looked at that very closely and really enjoyed our journey through there. And so it goes right through that in verse or in chapter 1, chapter 2, and then chapter 3, it begins to, to look at Jesus' life grown up. It starts with the story of John the Baptist and how he announced the coming of Jesus Christ. It talks about him. Then it talks about Jesus and the beginning of his ministry here on earth. So it talks about him being baptized. It, it gives an account of the baptism of Jesus Christ. And then Matthew gives us an account of the temptation of Jesus Christ as well. How Satan took him out into the desert and spent 40 days trying to break him down, trying to throw him off of the mission that he had come to accomplish. And he did not succeed. No matter what Jesus had to face, there was nothing that would throw him off the mission that he had been given by his father. He was going to live out a life as a model for all of us throughout history. And that's where we're going to go with this. So turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to begin there. And we're going to begin with Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And this is what it said. This is following the temptation and at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it says this simply. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And Jesus made it very clear from the get-go that he had a mission. His life modeled mission for us. It was there. There was, there was no doubting the clarity of the fact that Jesus had come to accomplish something. And it started right here. It started with him immediately saying, Repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He announced the fact that he had come and brought with him the kingdom of God and that his mission was about to begin. And so he modeled mission for us. He modeled it with every aspect of his life. And one of the things that we need to take away from this as we walk through the life of Jesus Christ really quickly, one of the things that we need to take away is the fact that we have have been called to be on mission. Our lives are to be about mission. Jesus' life was about mission. He was on mission. And we have been called to follow that model, to follow that example, and to be on mission ourselves. That's different than being on vacation. We're to be on mission. Our lives are about the purpose that God has created us for. And so we pick up from one simple verse that Jesus modeled mission for us. And you'll see that over and over again, how he stays on mission and how he communicates his mission. Jesus modeled mission and we are to model mission with our lives as well. Let's look now at chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. This is what it says. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. What Jesus models for us here very clearly is the fact that he was not going to carry out his mission by himself in isolation. He was going to do it in community. And so right away, he models community for us. He calls others into his mission. And there it is. And our mission personally, and this is tough, I think, in in our culture because we're very individualistic, aren't we? And we have what we call a personal faith. And it's our thing, it's our business, and a lot of times we tend to just live out that faith in isolation because it's ours, it's our personal faith. But Jesus modeled right off the bat that that's not how he was going to carry out his mission. He was going to do it in community. He was going to do it in community with other followers. He was going to do it with other believers. He was going to do it in community in the sense of the people around him. He was always interacting. Did he have his alone times? Yes. Absolutely. It says that he went off on his own to be with his father at times. And he needed to. And we need that. But we're not called to do the 90% alone time and 10% community time. We're called to do mission in community. And that's what Jesus modeled for us. And so from his life, here is another one of the things that we can pull out and say he modeled community for us. We are to turn around and imitate that and model community in the way we carry out our mission as well. We're not to do it alone. And there are all kinds of different levels of that. There's the community of having people who 
have walked with God longer and closer than we have to help us, to disciple us, to mentor us. And there's the other side of that, where we look for people that we can pass off what we're learning to, where we can disciple them, we can lead them. And in the middle of all that, we get to do this together. We get to do it in community. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 23, let's read 23 to 25. And he and Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And right away again, one of the things that Jesus modeled for us is compassion. He immediately took compassion on the people around him. And he did this in so many different ways, but he looked at the need in the people's lives around him and he responded to it. Immediately, he was known for his compassion. He healed. He responded to people's needs. It wasn't just words. It was his actions. And he dealt with physical needs, not just spiritual needs. Right away, he lived this compassionate model out for us. And of course, you see that over and over again in the life of Christ. We don't need to go into every single model of that that we see. There's tons of it over and over again. Jesus made it clear that his mission would involve compassion, that that was going to lead the way for him. And it did. It gave him credibility. It drew people to him. And in the same way, our mission, our lives, what we model when we exercise compassion is that drawing, that inviting presence that says, just come close. Come close because I've got something to tell you about one who's even more compassionate than I am. We're to live compassionate lives in this model that we live out, that we imitate. Okay, then we arrive in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. I'm not going to go into Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 because we spent a long time on that. We spent a year on those three chapters. You know those inside and out, don't you? Don't you? <laughs> yes, you do. Okay, so what Jesus did there was he spent this time teaching and he modeled that. But he modeled it in a, in a big way, in a broad way. What he modeled for us was this shepherding heart, this shepherding mindset. He taught, he challenged, he corrected, he exhorted, he pointed people to God's authority. He filled them with hope. He inspired their faith. In his mission, he demonstrated this shepherd's heart. He realized, and he said this himself, that the people were like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless. And he responded to that. His heart would not leave that alone. And so he modeled shepherding for us. And he's calling us into this to model that heart as well, to have that shepherd heart. And that's what we ought to be calling on God for is, God, give us that shepherd heart. Help us to see people like Jesus saw them and to respond to them. And sometimes we think we, we don't have anything to offer. Have you learned anything in your walk with Christ? Then you have something to offer, don't you? And Jesus modeled that we have something to offer. 
We're to have that shepherd heart. What do people need? How can we help somebody? How can we respond to that compassionately and like a shepherd? How can we help them grow? This we learn from the model that Jesus gave us. Going on now to Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13, there's a story there, an incredible story. It's a story of a centurion. And Jesus was known for his healing, for his compassion, and for his power. And this centurion heard about Jesus, and he came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, my my servant is ill. Will you heal him? And Jesus responded positively and said, yes, I will. I will heal your servant. And the centurion's response was just amazing. He said, now listen, I'm a man of authority and you clearly are too. So I know that people in authority can just say a word and it's done. And this centurion said, Jesus, all you got to do is say the word. You don't need to come. I know that. Just say the word and my, my servant will be well. And Jesus' response was so beautiful. He said, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Jesus turned around and affirmed the centurion right there. He affirmed him. He said, you have greater faith than I've seen in all of my people. You understand who I am. And so he affirmed him. And right away, Jesus models affirmation here. The servant was healed at that very moment, and Jesus spoke words of affirmation to the centurion. And he modeled that again and again. He modeled it for us. And we are to live out lives of affirmation. When you see the people around you taking bold steps of faith, when you see them growing, when you see them uh, acting like Jesus, affirm them, Chapel Hill. Affirm each other. That's been modeled for us. That's something that we too are to do. We're to affirm each other the way Jesus affirmed the people around him when he saw them doing something that reflected his image in them. All right, Matthew chapter 8, continuing. Some tough verses, verses 18 through 22. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Jesus modeled for us honesty when it came to the message of the gospel and the call to follow him. He didn't sugarcoat anything, did he? He didn't. He said right from the get-go, this is going to be hard and it's going to demand a decision of you. You're going to have to draw a line. You're going to have to choose me and me first. And that's the only way that it can be. And so when the message came through, it came through honestly. And he's called us to follow that model, to not speak to people of all the, the, all the positives of following Christ and that everything's going to be great. He didn't set that model for us. He was honest. He was always honest when he communicated the truth. And he's done it here in this story and he does it again and again. 
He calls us to lay down earthly things and trade them in for heavenly things. And that's, the, that's one of the tough aspects of the message that we're to communicate to the people around us. It's going to require us to be honest with the message. That's modeled for us. We're to model that as well. Then in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, there's a very familiar story there where Jesus goes out in a boat with his disciples. They're out on the sea, and a wicked storm comes up. And the storm is overtaking the boat, and the disciples are freaking out. And where's Jesus? Asleep in the bottom of the boat. And in that, he models for us this tremendous peace. And he shows us throughout his life, throughout his ministry, that we can find peace in the midst of any storm, in the midst of anything that we're, that we're facing. He embraced peace and we're to embrace that peace as well. Then we move on to verse 28. Matthew, 28, or Matthew 8, 28 to 34. This is what it says. And when he came to the other side... To the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tomb, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go! So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. One of the things that Jesus modeled for us in his life and during his mission was courage. Jesus was not afraid to confront the evil that existed all around him. And this is something that gets passed along to us. He calls us to be courageous. He calls us to stand in the face of evil and confront it. Not to run from it, not to try and hide from it, but to stand in there and by his power, call it out. Call out his power over evil. Do we have this kind of courage? Not like we should. But he modeled courage for us and he's asking us to imitate that, to follow that model. Matthew chapter 9 now, verses 9 through 12. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And Jesus modeled for us here and in many other places his acceptance. He modeled acceptance. Did he accept evil and sin? No. Did he accept sinners? Yes. And he gave us that model and he asked us to follow that. Jesus associated with tax collectors. Remember back in one of our services we looked at the political darkness at the time that Jesus entered the world. Tax collectors were not exactly likable people. 
They were very oppressive. And Jesus associated with even them because of his accepting heart. Then in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, and in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 15, Jesus modeled for us leadership. And he did it in calling his disciples. And he called his disciples and sent them out as apostles. They graduated from students to apostles. And he sent them out to carry out his mission, to carry his message into the world. And he equipped them to do it. And he demonstrated this tremendous model of leadership. Where it wasn't just about him and it ended with him. He knew that this was going to carry on for all time. And so he modeled leadership in preparing others to follow him and to take the baton from there. And this is part of the the mission that we have to make disciples around the world. Is to do this very thing, to lead this way. Then in Matthew chapter 10, we come to verse 34. Matthew 10, 34 to 39, a very difficult passage. Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There was an intensity. There was an urgency to Jesus' message. And he modeled that for us. God has to be first. Period. And he's called, us, he's called us to model that kind of intensity as well in our own faith, in our own priorities. Then to verse 40. Verse 40 to 42 says this, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. And Jesus modeled this incredible generosity towards those who get on board with his mission, who understand how important the kingdom is. He promised his generosity, and we've looked at that before in the treasure, the eternal treasure that is is being laid up for us. He models tremendous generosity, and he does it here in Matthew chapter 10 as well. Then go to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. A few verses that are just so beautiful that we love so much. Jesus says this. He says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus modeled this message of great comfort. In just such a warm invitation where he says just come. If you're heavy laden, if you're worn out, if you are weighed down by this world. Just come. 
And in that, he's given us this tremendous model and this tremendous message to take out to the world where we can say, listen, I know you're worn out. Just come to Jesus. He's got rest for you. You see all these ways in which we can take the model of Jesus and apply it to our lives to live holy lives like he lived. It's all over the place. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 14 He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. But Jesus stuck to the integrity of the gospel, the message of his father, of God. He stuck to God's principles and he modeled integrity for us. Matthew twelve thirty three to 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus even modeled communication for us. It's right there. He spoke of the importance of of words. And we are to model the value of words in our lives, just like Jesus did in his life. Then in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33, um, Jesus sends his disciples ahead in a boat and they get out onto the water. And again, they're caught in a storm. This time, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And you know the story. Peter says, Jesus, tell me to come out to you on the water. And he gets out of the boat and he walks on the water to Jesus. And in this story where Peter loses his focus, but Jesus reaches out and grabs his hand and brings him back up, we get this beautiful picture of the patience of Jesus Christ. How gracious he was in doing this for Peter. He modeled patience for us. And then in Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20, There's this incredible story where Jesus asks his disciples, he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter responds with these amazing words, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus modeled inspiration for us. How do you think Peter felt when Jesus said those words to him? I would say pretty amazed, pretty inspired. And we see as we get into the book of First Peter where that inspiration led. As Peter, as he matured, as he grew, grew, as he worked out Peter's issues, he got to the point where he wrote amazing things to the church because he was the leader of the church. And it began with Jesus saying, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. He inspired vision in his followers. 
So as you read the account of Jesus' life, what are you seeing? What has he modeled for us? It's an, it's an amazing journey. His actions, everything we just looked at and more is a model of holiness for us. It is a model of holy living. His teachings in his words, he modeled wisdom and insight and clarity. It's an amazing model that's there for us. And I want to visit just one more example of what Jesus modeled for us this morning. Let's turn to Matthew 27. Go further on to Matthew chapter 27. In verse 32. This is the example that I want to end with this morning. We're going to read some verses together here. We're going to read through verse 54. Because this is the story that we're to remember this morning as we come to communion together. So follow along with me. Matthew 27, verses 32 to 54. It says, As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. 
When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. What did Jesus model for us through his crucifixion? Justice, forgiveness, mercy, devotion, and love. Deep, deep love. This is the life that Jesus Christ modeled for us. A life of of mission, of community, of compassion, of shepherding, disciple-making, of affirmation, of honesty, of peace, courage, acceptance, leadership, urgency, generosity, comfort, integrity, communication, patience, inspiration, wisdom, insight, clarity, justice, forgiveness, mercy, devotion, and love. Have you led a sinless life? No. Can you lead a life that's characterized by the things that Jesus modeled for us? Yes, you can. And in living out these things, we're going to see the sin become less and less of an obstacle for us. If these are the things that we intentionally live out, the things that Jesus modeled for us with his life. In 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Brothers and sisters, look for the model. Study the life of Jesus. Not just to increase your knowledge, but to find the model that you will follow with your life. Do what athletes do. Watch the tape. Follow the model. And do what Paul challenged the church in Corinth to do. Imitate Christ. Imitate Jesus Christ. We were given a model. Study it. Live it out. Model your life after the one who modeled a holy life for us. There's so much more to it than just avoiding sin. Live the kind of life that Jesus lived. Live out the things that he modeled for us. Jesus told his disciples to remember him. So the last passage that we're going to take from Matthew is Matthew chapter 26. Verses 26 to 29. Matthew 26. 26 to 29. Now as they were eating... Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. In his body, Jesus gave us a model. He was devoted, he was obedient to the point of death on the cross. 
And in that life, he gave us this model to follow. And knowing that we wouldn't be able to accomplish the sinless part of holiness, he shed his blood for us so that those sins could be forgiven. Listen, Chapel Hill, in Jesus Christ, we see a model life. And he has called us not just to study it, not just to admire it, but to imitate it. To live a holy life. Peter's going to go on to talk about holy living. And we're going to get into that, into all kinds of different areas where he has instructed us on holy living. But I wanted you to see today, before we get into that, before we go deep into it, I wanted you to just back up with me and take a look at the model that Peter was talking about. It was the model of the life of Jesus Christ who showed us how to live holy lives. And we can live the life that he modeled. We can take all these different things that we saw him model and put them into practice day after day after day as we are imitators of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the elders if they will come now to prepare and uh, Kayla if she'll come and lead us into our time of communion. Take some time uh, before you come just to talk to God and just let him know that this is the model, this is the life that you want to live and you will follow the model that Jesus gave us. Let's pray together as we prepare to to come and partake in communion. Father, I do thank you that once again, you have given us so much to go off. You have given us this amazing gift in your word, in the Bible. There we can discover what it means to live a holy life. Thank you for the model that your son Jesus Christ lived out for us. Thank you that at every turn as we look at his life, in every event, in every word, in everything that he did, we can see something there that demonstrates what it means to to live a holy life. God, we long to be sinless. We long to do the right things, to make the right decisions in every situation. And we continue to ask your Holy Spirit to come and fill us and to help us avoid the things that we trip over, the things that we disappoint you with. And we are so grateful when we come to this point of remembering. We're so grateful for the blood of Jesus Christ who has shed for the forgiveness of our sin. Father, you've given us this position of of being forgiven, holy, sanctified. But you've also given us this purpose of living holy lives as the sanctification process continues. You've given us this mission to live lives that reflect the life, the model that Jesus Christ gave us. Guide us in that. Fill us with your spirit who will guide us into all truth and into into a life that reflects exactly that, the life of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the tremendous gift of your Son, From his coming, from his humble birth, 
to his crucifixion, to his resurrection, and now his indwelling spirit living in us. We praise you for who you are. We come now to remember, and we do this in the one, in the name of the one whom we're remembering, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.